Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from Converge Church, now in progress. We're going to dive into the Word together, and we're going to, we're going to begin in Esther chapter 4, okay? Esther chapter 4. Uh, if you have your Bibles, oh, this is one of my favorite parts for my Bible people. Let me hear those beautiful pages turning. Oh, my goodness. Y'all don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. Go all the way to back to Genesis. And work your way forward to Esther. I just love to hear those pages. Oh, man, it sounds beautiful. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, For those of you who don't have your Bibles, check this out. Uh, We like to stay in touch on the cutting edge of technology, so we do have the scriptures. They'll be on the screen. Also, for those of you who have YouVersion, the YouVersion Bible app, we are on YouVersion. You can follow along. We have my notes, our notes, on the YouVersion Bible app, and you can follow along there. Okay, so here we are in Esther chapter 2. We're talking about purpose. We're talking about legacy. Amen? And um, I think it's critically important. Uh, here's why. Uh, as I was studying and preparing, I just kept going back to what we believe the Lord spoke to us concerning this year, uh, 2020. We felt that the Lord began to minister to us and impress upon us that this year would be a year of uncommon clarity. Uncommon clarity. Check this out. It's already March 1st. Things are accelerating. And there might be some of us in this room who have forgotten already some of the plans and good intentions that we had for how this year would be different. What I think the Lord wants to do today is cause us to pump the brakes and self-evaluate and begin to consider if our behaviors and actions and patterns are any different than they were before January 1st. Because if none of those things have changed on December 31st of 2020, your life and my life will be no different than it was on December 31st of 2019. Are y'all with me? So I think this morning the Lord wants us to revisit Some of the resolutions, some of the declarations we made, some of the things that we said we would do differently, some of the things that we started to do and now we've stopped doing. Because again, if you and I can decide how we would like to be remembered, it will define how we live. And we have to keep that in front of us constantly and consistently or else you and I will become distracted and lose sight of the preferred future that God has purposed for each of us. Are you with me? You and I must be active participants in God's plan for our lives. It's not just going to happen because God wants it for you. You and I have to be active participants in God's plan and God's purpose for our lives. To help us understand that better, we're going to dive into Esther chapter 4. Now, can I just say this? Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says that our God, your God, is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ever ask or imagine. You know what that means? If you've dreamt it, if you've thought it, if you've imagined it, God is not only able, but he's also willing to do anything more than anything you could ever think of for yourself. 
whatever dream, whatever plan you have for your life, God's plan for your life exponentially exceeds that. And that's the reason you and I must now become, uh, position ourselves to align with what God has already planned and purposed for our lives. Because no matter how good and noble and honorable my dream is, God's dream is so much bigger and so much better. And it says it's bigger and better than you've even dreamt or even imagined. Man, I thought y'all were going to get excited right there. Ooh-wee. Listen, I'm talking, I hope I'm talking to some dreamers in the house this morning. I hope I'm talking to some dreamers in the house this morning. It's one of the reasons I, re, I go back to Zig Ziglar's quote often. Zig Ziglar said, every child is born to win, but along the way, many are conditioned to lose. It's the reason when you ask a child, what are you going to be when you grow up? They say, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a president. I want to be a doctor. But along the way, many are conditioned to lose to the degree, to the extent. But by the time they get to college, they change their major four to five times. Because somewhere along the way, someone conditioned them to lose. Someone told them, you're not smart enough. You're not big enough. You're not good enough. But in each of us is implanted the fingerprint of God that allows us to dream. And not just dream small dreams. Dream big dreams. Because that's what God thinks when he sees you. If you've ever felt, listen to me, if you've ever felt unqualified, underqualified, oh, One better, disqualified. You are a candidate this morning for a miracle from God. Because when we study the life of Esther, listen to me, this is not a young woman who was born into privilege. In fact, Esther is born in captivity. She is a refugee living in Persia. And it's not just for her but it is generational. The Babylonians have already overrun the Israelites and now they are living under Persian occupation. She is born into oppression. Listen, I'm talking to the person who says to themselves, man, I got dealt a bad hand. I feel like everybody else got a head start. And the scripture is filled from Genesis to Revelation. It is the testimony and it is the chronicle of a God who is sympathetic to the underdog. And in Esther, we find an underdog, an orphan girl. If there was anybody who should have grown up disappointed and disillusioned and maybe angry and bitter, it should have been this young lady named Esther Yet the scripture says concerning Esther that her life song was that she was both lovely and beautiful. Beautiful on the outside, but lovely on the inside. And one of the things that we miss, listen to me, Converge Church, on the road to fulfilling God's purpose for our lives is we don't know how to fail well. 
The truth is we have to learn how to fail forward. And what do I mean by failing forward? Let me tell you what failing forward means. What happened to you doesn't matter as much as what is happening in you. Listen to me. What happened to you happened then. But what matters more is what is happening in you right now as a result of what happened to you then. Because only you have the capacity and the ability to reframe what happened to you then. Esther did it. I'm an orphan, but I'm going to make the choice every day to have a disposition that is lovely in spite of everything I've experienced. Are y'all listening to me? The Lord right now this morning is giving you permission to believe again. He's giving you permission to dream again. He's giving you permission to create again. He's giving you permission to go out and take the risks that you have been afraid to take. I'm talking about uncommon clarity in 2020. He's taking the blinders off. And that's why I felt this week as I was preparing, we got to go back. We've talked about relationships and we're going to talk about relationships, but, but we got to talk about this thing because I felt in my heart that on March 1st, there were many who had already abandoned the things that they set out to do this year to ensure their lives and their future would be different. So here we go. Y'all ready for this? Esther chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. So we know, we know that Haman, who was an Agagite or an Amalekite, who was a highly placed officer in Xerxes' government, has now conspired to annihilate all the Jews. Y'all remember that? Chapter 3 has this plan, and here's the problem. Mordecai, who was Esther's cousin, won't bow to him, Haman. So Haman says, it's not enough just for the two of us to have this disagreement, for the two of us to, to have this, this beef. Now, everybody you love and everybody who's connected to you is going to pay for what you did to me. Are y'all with me? Listen to me. The scripture talks about this, about, about dealing with unforgiveness in our heart lest it become a root of bitterness defiling many. You see the progression? My unforgiveness becomes a root. Roots go deep. And roots spread. And it becomes a root. Listen, it's not just unforgiveness, but now it becomes bitterness. I got to say this. If you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard my wife and I teach. Here's the relationship part. You've heard us teach about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. According to Dr. John Gottman, Gottman says he can predict with 95% accuracy which relationships will fail and which will survive based on the presence and the severity of these four factors. Right at the top of the list is contempt. Where you're living under the same roof with this man or this woman that you pledge to love for the rest of your life till death do us part. But you're living on low simmer. Listen to me. Y'all under the same roof. In the same bed. 
but you all don't really like each other. Yeah, you smile. Yeah, you hide behind the makeup. Yeah, you hide be behind the profile pictures on social media. But behind closed doors, when you think of that person, you on low simmer. And that's why you go from zero to 60 in 1.2 seconds. Because nobody got to light your fire, your fire already been lit. That, that's what he's dealing with here. What Mordecai feels toward Haman, I'm sorry, what Haman feels toward Mordecai is contempt. And he says, the only way I can fix what I feel toward you, listen to me, listen to me, people who don't deal with their pain make life painful for others. And the only thing that could appease Haman was to see Mordecai and his people suffer. There's some of us in the room like that. We're all about the payback. And we're all about vengeance. And we're all about making people feel it and need I say more. Uh, uh, here's, here's the second horseman. We're going to get to purpose, maybe. Uh, here's, the second per here's, the second, here's the second horseman. John Gottman says that undermines and sabotages relationships. Defensiveness. Can't nobody say nothing to you. In fact, John Gottman defines defensiveness as warding off a perceived attack. No. All I said was, I like that dress. Well, what do you mean by that? No, no, let me tell you what defensive people do. They walk around with their dukes up because every word that comes out of your mouth comes through a filter of defensiveness that makes what you say sound like an attack. And Gottman says, your relationship is destined to fail because you can't even hear right because everything coming through your filter sounds like an attack even when it's for your own good. Are y'all with me? Okay. Third, third one. Are we talking about purpose? Yeah, we are. I'm talking about the four horsemen that will sabotage your purpose. See how I flip that? Skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see how I flip that? Was that good, baby? That was good. Brother got skills. Okay, here's another one. I'm talking about the seeds of self-sabotage. Ain't nobody doing it to you but you. Because defensiveness is a choice. Contempt. Living on low simmer. With, here it is, with the world. Because it ain't just happened at your crib. It's you're snapping back at people at work. These are seeds of sabotage that will disrupt and corrupt your relationship. Listen to what he, what he said. He says, deal with unforgiveness because it becomes a root of bitterness that defiles many. Right? 
Haman's inability to, to deal with his emotions. The fact that Mordecai wouldn't bow to him. Now he says, I'm going to kill Mordecai and all his people. Because bitterness defiles many. Now you ain't just mad at him. You ain't never want to see his mama, his papa, his sister, his daddy, his... his Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because you have contempt toward him, now you have bitterness toward everybody connected to him. What if the problem ain't actually your mother-in-law? Oh, my. I heard some bunions crunching on that one. All right, where were we? Number two? Three. Okay. I have okay, let me just say this, and then I'll, I'll let you jump in. Okay. On the road to destiny, these are the things that will sabotage what God wants to do. Because we're defensive. Because we're, we live in contempt. Here's the third one. Here's the third horseman of the apocalypse that spells doom for your relationships is defense, not defensiveness, stonewalling. <laughs> and you know what stonewalling is? Stonewalling is when you shut down. When you shut down emotionally. And no matter how hard that person tries, you, here it is, you are non-responsive. Listen, we talk about people who get angry and yell and shout, but your silence is just as detrimental to the health of relationship as the person who's shouting. Oh, when we cut people off in our heart, I'm talking when your heart becomes a heart of stone and your heart and your emotions become dead to another human being where you're just going through the motions but you, 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 don't, even, you don't even feel a thing. Stonewalling. Shut down. Shut down. Here's another one, the fourth and final one that we often ignore. And I say, oh, I'm just being funny. I'm just being sarcasm. If you are one given to sarcasm, you could be the reason that your relationships are strained. It's when we wrap an attack in what we call humor. And if you come from a family that's sarcastic, if you have a sarcastic tongue, John Gottman, John Gottman, over 35, almost 40 years of, 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 of researching couples and marriages and relationships says, you are wielding a weapon that is destroying your relationships. And for Haman, it was contempt. And now his root of bitterness is about to destroy and annihilate an entire nation of people because of his unwillingness to sit face to face with Mordecai. 
Listen to me. How many people have been hurt in the process of your unwillingness to come face to face? It's a big deal. Pastor Wendy, and then we'll, we'll get through this. One thing we can notice about Haman is he actually thought, okay, well, if I kill all of the Jews, that's going to satisfy me. But it wasn't going to be enough. While you were uh, speaking, Pastor Ray, I looked up James 1.15. But I am going to back up to verse 13, if we can put that up. James uh, ver- chapter 1, verse 13 through 15. I may go to 16. Uh, okay. Verse 13, it says this. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. And so people will sometimes be angry at God and say, well, God allowed this to happen. God did this or, you know, God let this happen to me. It wasn't God. Verse 14, it says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And that's where we find Haman. Haman was drawn away from what he was called to do, commissioned to do, because he had this desire to pay back, because he had this insecurity. Verse 14, verse 15. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So good. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And so when we're talking about not having bitterness and not uh, having contempt and stonewalling, it is the thing is not about that thing. It's about everything else is that when the desire is conceived, okay, I'm going to kill these people and I'm going to pay them back because there was some time. So that sin had an opportunity to become full grown and it led to death. But what kind of death? Sometimes we think death is only in the physical, a physical death. There actually can be spiritual death. There can be a spiritual deafness once we get so far. It says that we can be given over. Not because God has given us over, but we ourselves by our choices and our continued willingness and deliberateness to frustrate the will of God to go against that God to go not go against that God to go against God that these things you can be given over where your heart is wax cold it just won't believe your ears will be stopped up and it won't be because God shut you out it'll be a result of you shutting God out and it's the little things we do that make the big difference we think we can just uh there is a difference between having healthy boundaries. So if you have drawn a healthy boundary with good consciousness, if somebody is abusing you, abuse, the root, the, the definition is abnormal use of a thing. Right. If somebody is just being ugly and you've drawn a healthy boundary, this is not for you to be in condemnation. If you said, you know, if we can't speak healthy words to one another, l- let's wait until that time. If you have a healthy boundary up, this is not, you not following the will of God. Even when the Pharisees sought to do Jesus harm, it says he hid behind the rock for he knew it was not yet his time. Good. If people don't are not willing to sit down and talk and you have a healthy boundary, 
just continue to pray for God to give you an, an opportunity to speak to them. But these things that we are trying to teach from the life of Esther and from the mistakes of Haman, and not just to tell you, be nice to people at work and love your spouse. It's because in the spirit realm, these things will manifest in ways and make us pay prices that we never intended. And so, again, what I wanted to leave you with is when desire has conceived, that's where when you're that that voice in your head. And I'm not talking about mental health issues, but when Satan disguises himself and you think you're having a thoughts when it's like, girl, I wouldn't even put up with that no more. You ain't got to do this. You grown. I would never talk to them again. You know, those kinds of things. Oh, if she want to act all funky like that, bump her. And then we call somebody else. Can you believe she did this to me? I'm just so tired of it. I'm always do- when those things that that that's when conception is starting to happen. Right. Conception of sin. And then if you don't address that, you we can feel that way. But just it, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. You can be angry. But what are we doing with that anger? If we're not bringing it to healthy resolution and sometimes it's not your fault that those desires when conceived give birth to sin sin is falling short short missing the mark and when sin is full grown it brings forth to death and that death i just don't even want to find out what kind of death certain things are going to bring is that going to be a death of 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 a grace god put on my life says the gifts and callings are irrevocable but I do believe opportunity has a shelf life. It does. And if I don't show up because I'm so bound in sin, I'm so bound in this perverted lies from the culture that says you could do it your way. Not me. I can't do it my way. I could do it his way and reap the benefits, or I really can do it my way and reap the consequences. So this thing with Haman, it wasn't just he had a bad attitude and he was in power. This thing, you know, we might not be sharpening gallows and putting them up for people in the physical, but we can do that in the emotional and by our words. And so it is a huge, huge, huge deal. So when that sin tries to start creeping in on you through anger, then you've just got to cut it off you nope I just I refuse to go there Ray and I you all have heard our testimony we've been through some things in our marriage and I drive a lot not in recent years but in those in between years you know when when we've gotten some healing but the thoughts keep trying to come up in your mind you know if you get mad because he you know remember to bring some gluten-free dessert home or something like that and then I'm like see you know I would say he always and he don't think about me and those things try to I'm just making that up just for comedic relief but say that one more time that you're I'm just making it up for comedic relief But there has been the seasons where thoughts try to come back to my my remembrance. Remember when this or something I could have watched something and just the the turmoil we were in in our relationship in the early years, it could trigger something in me. And of course, we always feel like it's the other person's fault. You know, that just deception. And so I can start getting angry. What I had to do is out loud wherever I was saying I rebuke it. I don't receive it. Like out loud, cast it down. Mm, I don't receive it. And I promise you, just as sure as I'm sitting up here, I never, ever have those thoughts, ever. It took me about three years because I like entertain one and then rebuke the next one. And then entertain like the fourth one and then rebuke like the tenth one. Every you know, time. you just make your flesh feel good just a little while and then I get back saved again. You know, I just had this little me. 
Oh, if my cars could talk, Lord have mercy. Amen. But casting down those things, yeah. taking a willful act, nope, I don't receive it. And it wasn't that I'm such a good person to him. It has been relief for me. Yeah. I can live with such clear conscience. I don't have to be a hypocrite in my love for him. I'm not tormented yeah. with those thoughts that are lying because the things I'm going through and I'm playing out in my head, it didn't even happen. Right, right. I'm just going down this road and angry for no reason. So no, the title good. of that sermonette was don't be like Haman because it will cost you something you're not really willing to pay. So good. So good. All righty. Yeah, so we did not get to our notes today, but we will uh, next week. But here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. No. Well, look at the clock, baby. That's, that's what I'm looking at. I want to be good to the people. I'll give you a one. I'll give you a one. Let me tell you why this is critical, what Pastor Wendy said. On March 9th, on March 9th, our Jewish brothers and sisters around the world will celebrate the festival of Purim. What they will be celebrating is their miraculous deliverance from near annihilation by Haman. Now, this is hundreds of years later, but it is still significant to the Jewish mind that this story we're talking about and the fact that Haman wouldn't deal one-on-one, right, with Mordecai, the person he had the issue with, Jews around the world are still celebrating what God did for them through a little orphan girl named Esther. Listen, our decisions and our choices outlive and outlast us. Don't get it twisted. Don't don't ever think, oh man, I got this under control. This ain't hurting nobody. Hold on. Your problem is defined not by your ability to manage it. It is truly defined by all the people impacted by it. Are you listening to me? So, 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 so if, you, if you say, oh, man, oh, man, I just, I just, man, I just had this one drink or whatever. Well, when you come home after that one drink, two drink, three drinks, let me tell you how it's a problem. It's a problem because your wife now has to deal with the fact that you yell at her and you threaten her and your kids have to run to their room. It's a problem. It's not defined by whether you're able to drive from the club home. It's defined by the people that suffer as a result of your inability. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And so hundreds of years later, on March 9th, Just check it out. Watch the news. You'll see the festival of Purim. That's what they're celebrating, what God did centuries ago through an orphan girl. I'm talking about purpose. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? I am talking about divine purpose, that when we respond to the call of God, our decisions in this life will outlive and outlast us. And here's what's even more scary, that there are people, waiting on the other side of your obedience to God. This ain't just about you. And let me, let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you by what, what Mordecai says to Esther. Because it, was, it, it would have been so easy for Esther to just make it about the fact, oh, I'm cute, 
and I won this beauty pageant. Xerxes picked me over 400 other beautiful, or 399 other beautiful women, and now I am the queen. Listen. When Mordecai sends word to Esther of Haman's plans, he begins to tell her about four things that have to do with divine purpose. Because we would just read this story and say, oh man, this is such a beautiful story. It's an orphan girl. She's lost her mom and her dad, and now she becomes queen. If we're not careful, we'll miss the fact that everything we've read up until now is the divine providence of God. That God already saw ahead and made room for Esther. So that when Haman decided that he was going to kill all the Jews, he would have Esther in place to stop it. Let me tell you something. Your promotion ain't just about more money. Your position is not just about you. You could be divinely assigned and divinely placed where you are because God has already seen ahead. And he has said, I need to put Damon there. I need to put Stephen there. I need to put Latanya there because of what the enemy will try to do. And if you, you and I aren't careful, we will think that it's all about the beauty pageant and the crown and the promotion when it's really about God's purpose. And that's why Mordecai had to give his cousin Esther a reality check. Turn to the text, Esther chapter 4. I got to say it. Come on, son. I feel something on me right now. Esther chapter 4. Look at verse 13. So they're going back and forth. Listen to this. Esther is in the palace and she's oblivious to what Haman is planning against her people. If we're not careful, our comfort and our success will cause us to disconnect from the people that God has called us to save. The reason Esther is even in the palace is because God has sent her there to stay the execution against her people. But she doesn't even know what's going on outside the palace. And if we're not careful, we will lose sight of why we are where we are. In fact, somebody say position. 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 If you're going to fulfill your God-given purpose, you have to first of all understand your position. Why you are where you are right now. And most of us just make it about the transaction. I got this job, I got benefits, I go to work, and I leave work. I got this job, I go to work, I got benefits, and I, go, I come back home. Listen, the word position is defined as a particular, you can say specific, a particular or specific way in which someone or something is placed or arranged. Listen to me, if we're not careful, we'll lose sight of how powerful that definition is. Because where you are placed is very particular. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Yeah. Where you are right now. I ain't talking even about me at Renner Center. I mean, at, at, at Converge. I'm talking about me at Renner Center. I am there. Specifically and particularly placed. Listen to what I said. In which someone or something is placed or arranged. Now that word placed and arranged infers that there is someone doing the placing and the arranging. Yes, 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 yes. Are you listening to what I'm saying? 
the fact that Esther is where she is, the fact that Esther has the position that she has, infers that she has been divinely positioned and placed. In fact, this morning the Lord said, my people need to ask themselves this simple question. Or not even ask themselves this question. This is what you need to see. Or this is what you need to do. Anybody ever been to a hotel out of town? Or maybe the mall. And you don't know where you are. Or you don't know how to get to where you want to go. You walk up to that little kiosk and you look for three words, usually in red. And what's it going to say? You are here. Because if you don't understand where you are, you will have no clue how to get from where you are to where you need to be. I'm talking about fulfilling the purpose of God. If you and I don't understand where we are, we won't even get to the next thing. In terms of fulfilling God's plan for our lives, which is perspective. Listen to me. Listen to what he says. Esther chapter 4 and verse 13. Oh, before I do that, let me say this. I'm going to say this. I got to say this. It's, it's magic. Put Acts chapter 17 verse 28 on the screen. Y'all give me a couple more minutes. I'm going to wrap it up. Is that okay? I got I to gotta get through this today. Y'all can DVR. Well, ain't no football on. This ain't football season. Y'all going to be all right. Uh, let's back it up. Let's go maybe to verse 25. Let's go maybe to verse 25. Okay, I'll just start here because maybe at 126, but we'll just start here. It says, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, anything since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Verse 26. Check this out. Here's that verse. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. Listen. And he has what? determined what? Their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Who has determined your position? It ain't you. It ain't you. Even when you had options and you chose that job, who was at work sovereignly in your life? Who was determining your boundaries? It was God. And notice, the name of God is never mentioned anywhere in Esther. And many times, God chooses to remain anonymous in our lives. But your position, listen to me, listen to me. You and I will never get to our purpose until we first understand that I am here by divine providence of God. He has determined the pre-appointed times and even the boundaries of my dwellings. And when we understand that, it will put what we do both at home and at work, in perspective. Notice what, first thing, first thing that he says, first thing that Mordecai says to her, is because she's oblivious to what's about to happen to her people. Uh, Esther chapter 4, verse 13. Now, any of y'all, I know uh, y'all wasn't as good growing up as you pretend to be. Now, if any of y'all have parents like my dad and my mom, there were times <laughs> when you would get in trouble in the morning and they would reserve that whipping. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. Where you did something in the morning and mommy and daddy knew what you did and they even told you what was going to happen when they got home. That's the worst feeling in the world. That's what the Israelites are dealing with. Because Haman sends a message to 127 provinces and say, I'm about to kill all of y'all next year. He sent it to 127 provinces so the Jews have nowhere to hide. They just bide in time. They know that a year from now, barring a miracle from God, their entire people will be wiped out. So Mordecai says, he probably didn't understand it until this moment. That man, I was just looking out for my baby cousin. And I wanted to have a better life. That's why I registered her for this beauty pageant. But hold up. All our people about to die. Maybe it wasn't about the beauty pageant at all. Maybe it was God determining in advance the pre-appointed times and boundaries of her dwelling. And he sends her a message and says, you have to understand your position. That where you are right now, is by the hand of God. Listen to what he says. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Baby girl, <laughs> don't think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than any of the other Jews. Listen to what he was saying in response. When he sent word to Esther, this is what Esther told him. But she said, but Mordecai, I can't go to Xerxes. The law is no one can present themselves to the king unless he sends for you. And she said, the last time I saw Xerxes was 30 days ago. If I go to him, I might die. Listen to me. When you don't understand your position, when you don't understand that the hand of God has you at Toyota, has you at Renner Center, has you at, at where do you work? Huh? Gayat. What language is that, bro? I'm just messing with you. Give me, give me some. You, Frito-Lay, PepsiCo. If you don't understand I'm here by the divine hand of God, you will move into self-preservation. And that's what most of us do with the opportunities that God gives us. When we don't put where we are in the context of God's big plan, it will be all about us. So she sends word and said, I can't go to the king because I might die. And this is what he said. He said, look, man, don't get it twisted. Don't think that you are immune from what's coming a year from now because you are just as Jewish as all of us. But when you understand your position, listen, the second thing happens, it shifts your perspective. And this is why I'm going to close. I can't say anything else. We'll pick it up next week. It will shift your perspective. And when I say shift your perspective, I'm not just talking about what you see. I'm talking about how you see it. Are y'all listening to me? When you understand that I am in this position on assignment by divine providence of God, it will shift how I see everything. 
Listen to what, what God says to Adam. Adam was tripping in the Garden of Eden. And God says to Adam, or asks him this simple question, Adam, where are you? Now, for a God who knows and sees all things, this is not a God who's asking Adam, where you at, man? This game of hide and seek has been going on too long. I need to find you. No, God knew exactly where Adam was. The reason God asked Adam the question is because God wants for Adam to see for himself where he is. God is asking Adam, bro, do you really see where you are? Where your head at, man? Where your heart at, man? Because where your head and heart are will determine not just what you see, but how you see it. And I said this last week. I'm talking about position and perspective. We'll start with perspective next week. Because all of this, if we're going to become who God has called us to be, if we're going to walk out God's plan and purpose for our lives, we have to understand our position But in understanding our position, we'll begin to appreciate our perspective. I said it last week. Where you sit determines what you see. And what you see determines what you desire. What you desire determines what you pursue. And what you pursue determines what you will have, good or bad. Where you sit determines what you see. But not only what you see, but how you see it. And because Esther now is about to have a new appreciation for her position, is going to shift her perspective on this moment. It's not going to be about whether she lives or dies. It's now going to be, am I going to choose to fulfill God's plan for my life? Because this wasn't about a beauty pageant. This wasn't about a rags to riches story. This was about God putting me in this position so I could save my people. So, Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Remember to stay connected with us on our website, weareconverge.com, or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WeAreConverge. You can also partner with us financially by giving safely and securely online at weareconverge.com backslash give. Thank you and God bless.